Uh, the type of meditation that we're using today is called seed meditation. And uh, it's just to give a point of reference. My, you'll hear my voice drone on. You don't have to listen to it. That is absolutely not a requirement. You can go off and do your own thing. But the rhythm of the voice will bring you where you need to be. So uh, don't think that you've got to listen or be interested and hear the words. You haven't. That's just not necessary at all. Uh, you just go off and do your own thing. And if you have any very strong impressions, please do either write them down or speak them out or do whatever you need to do. On. You don't have to listen to it. That is absolutely not a requirement. You can go off and do your own thing, but the rhythm of the voice will bring you where you need to be. So uh, don't think that you've got to listen or be interested and hear the words. You haven't. That's just not necessary at all. So please get yourselves as comfortable as you can. <clears throat> And please keep your feet well on the earth, uncross legs and feet on the earth, because we want a good route to the earth as well as a link to the heaven. <coughs> uh, please close your eyes so you can internalize your focus, because you don't want anything from outside to get in the way. And the philosophy we're going to look at today all links to the sacredness of sex. The solution that enables you to keep permanently in touch with the source. With your soul and your spirit. While at the same time enjoying the temple that has been given to you upon the earth your body and the work that is waiting to be done right here and now. To claim the beauty and the perfection that we know as things of the heaven that have forgotten since we've been upon the earth. This separation is no solution. The solution is to claim both heaven and earth. To be both realist and mystic. Imagine for a moment within your mind that you are watching a mystic or a religious devotee enjoying a meal, the food, and saying, this is delicious, this is extraordinary. Very often, it seems as if mystics have to force themselves, as though the food of the earth were tasteless, and it was not fitting to experience joy. And yet, we can unite heaven and earth even when we eat. But do we have the courage 
combine the two. For as we begin to harness these energies, it is easy to run wild and experience debauchery. And yet, if we try to kill this force, we kill ourselves. We deprive ourselves of the taste for life upon the earth and can too easily become cruel and cold and bitter. How then will we be able to compose symphonies or write poetry? When human beings find themselves unable to solve problems, a possible reaction is to try to eliminate it. But to eliminate this force is not the answer. To wipe out a troublesome enemy is no solution. We must allow ourselves to go on being troubled while we find new ways to develop our power. We never assassinate another. We will not get rid of trouble within sexual activity by eliminating it. Within your mind, look at the example of the river. There is always a danger that it will overflow its banks. But you don't get rid of the danger by getting rid of the river. Instead of destroying it, we learn to make it work for us. <coughs> we water the fields, produce electricity. If you destroy it, you will suffer drought or die of hunger. If you destroy your sexual energy, you will destroy many other things within you. Why then is it so difficult to work with this force? It is because it holds so much promise for the future and because we stand to gain so much by using it. It is truly taking the ball by the horn Sexual energy equates to Taurus the bull, the sign that corresponds to Venus. But sexual energy is influenced by the moon. That is to say, the imagination. See, within your visualization, the parallel of taking the ball by the horns and the horns of the crescent moon. 
to take the bull by the horns is to gain control of one's imagination and one's sexual energy. If you fail to work with this, you continue to be trampled underfoot. It is not a question of killing the bull, but of taming it. This life-giving force is the gift of the spirit upon the earth. Love cheers the heart and allows joy to be experienced upon the earth via the heavens. Allow the sexual energy that is within you to be directed towards a spiritual goal. Surrender the past and know that the source is at a higher level. Invite this energy into your body. Within this safe space, Invite your body to release the experiences of the past, to open to the changes within the future. Invite your body and your mind to complement each other to unite towards a common aim. And know that it can be so as you reconnect 
breathing and in your own time begin to externalize your focus. safe sex, we are uniting the abstract and the actual. That's the theory. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. uh, that means we're going to have to have a safe space in which to operate. And a lot of us don't feel very safe. So we have an abstract idea of how things should be. And very often, our actual experience has denied that abstract. Would you agree with that? Okay. The emotions attached to the spiritual experience then sometimes have a, have a kind of um, kickback that is negative expectancy. Do you all agree with that? And that is a problem that we have to work with a great deal. We have to recognize that as a result of actual experience from the past, which may be real or they may be imagined, they may not even belong to us. They may belong to the cellular memory of our body. And it may give us negative expectancy. So all the time we're trying to ensure against the what if happening. Oh, what if this doesn't work out as well as I thought it would? And we then project that onto our partner. Well, I'm really suspicious of you. Let's have good sex. <laughs> I expect it would be horrible. It usually has been. <laughs> well, you know, it's not a very attractive prospect, is it, really? So we go from wishing it was one way to feeling it was another, etc. It works like a sine wave. And we try to find a point of balance in the middle that is acceptable to us and to our partner. Intellectually, we understand that it shouldn't be like that and it should be a completely unique experience each time and we may have changed our partner or changed our circumstance or changed our conditioning or whatever it is. And physically, we will definitely, if we're reasonably healthy individuals, have the desire to go past the blocks that we've experienced before. So physically, we will want to experience something different, and we will talk ourselves into that being a possibility. And the sine wave between the intellectual and the physical will also keep expanding and contracting. Now, that means that all the time we're trying to marry the top half of our body, which is the theory, with the bottom half, which is the practical reality. If that is the case, then we begin to understand why we experience one thing with our head and our heart and another thing with our body. 
because our head and our heart are under our own control. If we are going to physically enact that, we're going to have to trust a n other. And that may be a lot more difficult. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Please, Rick. I'm surprised at the uh, suggestion that we control the heart, control the emotion. Okay. We are controlled by the emotion, would be a better way of putting it. Okay? And what we have in our heart may not even belong to us. It may belong to our ancestors, it may belong to our forebearers, and it may be, uh, belong to environmental experience that we have not anticipated. And that encrustation, a bit like the barnacle on the bottom of a submarine, those encrustations will have to be exposed and released before we are free to fulfill ourselves and to trust the earth. Now, the abstract blueprint that we come with that guides us to sexuality is in our mouth. Okay? The mouth is the womb. It doesn't matter what sex you are. The mouth is the womb. The tongue represents the penis. And the teeth are the guardians of the space. So... When we have the idea of uniting heaven and earth as a wonderful and a pleasurable experience, above the waist, this is represented, this blueprint is represented by the mouth. Therefore, if you have had a great deal of trouble with your mouth, your idea of being able to unite these energies upon the earth with a and other may leave a little bit to be desired. Okay? So the first thing is then to cleanse the space. We are androgynous beings inside. We then, we have to learn to make love to ourselves inside and unite the energies inside ourselves before we can externalize them. And the mouse is very much the representative of this within the physical body. So, what I'd like you to do is open your mouth very loud. Uh -huh. And actually just allow yourself to make an R. Now stick your tongue on the roof of your mouth and make the same sound. Can you feel your mouth vibrate mm -hmm. the second way? Anyone? Mm -hmm. Actually, where you need your tongue to be is in the roof of your mouth, but not touching. It needs a space of about that much to begin to be able to get the mouth to vibrate. Now that will begin to clear some of the junk of the past and will allow the tongue and the, the space within the mouth to begin to work together rather than separately. And that is really, really important. If you're unable to do it, 
then it may be difficult for you to open to trust again. If you've had a lot of difficult, unnurturing experiences in your past, it may be quite difficult for you to trust. I'm probably not telling you anything you don't already know. So we have to clarify the aim. If you really want to work with union, are you willing to open to trust? Because if you're not, because you haven't worked through your past difficulties and unhappiness yet, then you may not be ready to go into another relationship yet. Are you willing to awaken to love? Because love, in case you haven't noticed by yourself, isn't all sweetness and light all the time. <laughs> Real love can be a bit tough sometimes because we're going to have to <laughs> if we if we want the best for ourselves and for our partners, we're going to have to go into heavy negotiation to decide a good win-win compromise. And we may not be willing to do that yet. We may not be willing to go into negotiation yet because we don't feel strong enough or whatever it is. And if we're not, then, then maybe we just need to wait a while. We need to sleep a bit longer. Awaken to love. And if we're very committed with obligations in other places, then we may not be able to centralize our focus immediately. We may need to wait a while and give ourselves time. Because having a safe space is only part of it. Having time within that space is another part. It's a good management technique. So you're going to have to decide where to concentrate your energies when. Have you cleared up the issues of your past, from your forebearers, from your environmental experiences? Have you cleared up your idea of your obligations to parents, kids, whatever? Have you time to concentrate on your relationship with one other person? Is it manageable within the present moment or not? If it's not, then you may be able to recognize that and give yourself six months, a year, whatever you need to have the energy available to put in to opening to trust, particularly if you've had experiences not to in the past, to be aware that you want a loving relationship within your life, which you're going to have to work at. Light is given to us, love is earned. Light works with space. We can light a space, but to provide an atmosphere of love within the space takes stamina and time to establish. Have we got the time available at the moment or not? If we're going to say yes to those, are we going to enhance intimacy? Now, that's a really nice way 
of saying, are we going to be faithful to the one we've picked? Because we're going to have to stop looking at the menu and concentrate on the meal we chose for a while. <laughs> and we may not be willing to do that either. We also need to recognize whether we are willing to concentrate on the meal we chose or whether we're going to keep our options open in case the in-case should happen. Because a lot of us do that. Are we going to honor our body? Because unless we do, how can we expect anyone else to? A lot of us go into relationships saying, I really hate myself, you know, I don't like myself at all. I don't like my past. I don't like my potential future. And I don't like the bits that I've been given. Why don't you love me? <laughs> well, it's a really appealing prospect, isn't it? <laughs> so, we begin to recognize that we're going to have to work with honoring our body and beginning to like what we've got. Because unless we do, how can we expect anyone else to? It's a bit of an insight that experience that hasn't been part of our reality, then it may be difficult for us to honor ourselves. And you get then the person who's honoring everyone else. I'll sort you out. I'll sort you out. It's all easy to sort everyone else out. However, me, forget it. I'm too busy. I can't sort me out yet because I've written myself off the planet. And that is literally because there is dishonor in the past that hasn't yet been worked through. So I think that the management upstairs have plonked you onto a very hostile planet where you can never have pleasure. Mm -hmm. I mean, because that's another big one, pleasure in yourself. Do you get pleasure from being with yourself? Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're going to be with yourself painting a picture? Does it mean you're going to be with yourself going for a walk? Does it mean you're going to be with yourself in the gym? Does it mean that you're going to be masturbating? Well, I would suggest that perhaps the prelude to that is much more gentle. It's a gentle run-up. You know? Mm -hmm. uh, by the time you get to the stage that you might feel the physical need to masturbate, if you've done a good enough job, you shouldn't need to because you mm -hmm. should then be in a partnership. Sure. Sure. Mm -hmm. So it, it's quite interesting because the spiritual honoring yourself says, <clears throat> I am a spark of the divine here upon the earth. And as such, I am one. I am whole and I am holy. Mm -hmm. Now intellectually, you can say, oh, if that's a very good philosophy, I think I'll go into day with the Buddhist. Or whatever you do. You know, so you may go into the philosophies behind uh, good sexual activity and not so good sexual activity or whatever. Mm -hmm. Emotionally, you're then going to pull up all the times that you've tried and failed. So you're going to have to go through your, your imperfections and your release of the past because that depended on someone else as well as you and that then tries to destroy the oneness. And at that time, it, you're at risk because at that time you may attract a partner who's mirroring your unfinished business mm -hmm. and you will then have a disaster on your hands potentially. <coughs> if you can then 
recognize the emotions and work with the emotions with or without <laughs> skilled help, then physically you're going to be free. And once you're free, you're going to attract a complement to yourself, not a competition. Mm -hmm. So I would say pleasure slowly. Pleasure, pleasure with yourself spiritually. I am one with everything that goes on. Pleasure with yourself intellectually. You know, the, the, what I've achieved is not good, but it's not bad. You know, and I'm very interested in and get involved in something else. And emotionally, take responsibility for yourself. In the past, I tried to fight the emotions and project them onto someone else, probably. Or I tried to run away from them because they were so intense. This time, I'm going to stay very still. And if I can handle them inside me, then I will have more confidence about relating outside of me. So abstract sex, abstract masturbation, rather than actual, initially. Mm -hmm. why, why do children, young children, masturbate? Because when they're going into puberty, they begin to recognize that they, the, the idea is to get the inner and the outer together. What if they're only six or seven, or four or five or That's six? That's quite seven. normal. That's just natural experimentation. Uh -huh. So we're trying to balance. We're trying to balance the inner and the outer. And we have knowledge of that. We have knowledge of that at seven. We have knowledge of it again when we go through puberty. And we then start our journey of frustration and impotence when we are disappointed with our research and our experimentation. And we then may spend a lifetime trying to reconnect to our contract so this is really writing yourself a contract of how it should be. So I'm not suggesting you necessarily use the one I'm illustrating, but I'm suggesting you create one for yourselves. A contract of expectation for you, not for anybody else. This is not your I'm ordering up a partner list. This is your what do I expect for me, list. It, it, spiritual desire comes from the desire to join heaven to the earth, right here and now. No time delay. Intellectual desire comes from uh, a desire to work with like minds. A desire to attract people who are interested and hold the same standards as I do into my space. Emotional desire is the, the desire to feel fulfilled, but expecting someone else to do it for you. Physical desire comes from a physiological and biochemic reaction in the brain that has been passed to us by our forebearers. And we can perhaps talk a little bit about that later. So we have to decide what level we're going to take our desire at whether we're going to start at the top and work down, because spiritual desire takes that long. Intellectual, you have to discuss it and fiddle around and look at the philosophies of it and all that stuff. Uh, so that takes a bit longer. Uh, emotional desire, you go on this great dramatization of your feelings, which is going to take even longer. 
and if the partner's still there, they'll probably be asleep. Um, and physical, uh, setting the space, making the space safe within time, will take even longer. So if we have, if our desire has been started at this level, by the time it gets to this level, we may be bored and not want to continue. If it started at this level, we may be so wrapped up in our physical and our emotional levels, we may forget the spiritual needs of another person. So we're trying to create a space and a time in which all these levels are embraced, all of them are fulfilled. And if we have a partner and we've started at one level, so we're doing a big emotional number, it's called in our house, doing a number. <laughs> so if you're going to do a number and you're going to dramatize all your feelings, well, your partner will probably either be asleep or bored by the time you've finished. And you are only stuck going on a horizontal. And your partner has needs at a vertical level to get an alignment through that. So immediately you've got conflict before you even start. Because you're not actually considering the multi-purpose needs of your partner at all. You're on a self-indulgent kick. It's complicated, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I can't understand, Julie, excuse me, why the physical takes so long. I mean, why? Well, because if, you see, when we are physically, when we are beginning to uh, be physically aroused, mm. now, that's fine. But have all the other criteria been met? Are we, are we safe? Is our partner safe? You don't, just because you are aroused, doesn't mean to say your partner will be. I see, I understand this. So if you were going to be considerate, you are going to have to take more time over that than anything else, actually. Because, and that's what happens. We say, well, I'm ready. <laughs> and then we're very upset or disappointed if another person's expectancy has not coincided and paralleled with ours completely. So you're then faced with the choice of who you satisfy yourself or your partner. Absolutely, and you're going to have to practice getting those two together. Whereas it, here, it can happen if you're doing an abstract number, it can happen, oh, look, that's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> but if you're actually acting that out with another person, you're dramatizing it externally, it's going to have, you're going to have to concentrate for much longer and be much more considerate. And that means selfish or selfless until you've practiced long enough for it to coincide. So there's a block with that though, um, as in one of the partners doesn't actually ever feel any, any arousal at all. Well, I would say that if, if one of the partners never felt any arousal at all, they badly need um, some kind of therapy because it usually comes from insecurity or uh, vulnerability from their past. Usually they've been abused. I've just come back from a working trip to Canada of nearly three weeks where I work almost exclusively with abuse. And it, it's so common to just be numb. And that is, in a way, you see, that's when you take the time, because you've got to have a space that is safe. We are in a safe space to discuss these subjects today. I wouldn't necessarily do it in the coffee bar at Olympia, or, you know, or McDonald's. 
<laughs> Although it probably would be the most interesting thing happening there. Um, but we, we have to uh, recognise that our response comes from ourselves. But if we're in a partnership where the response is lacking, it becomes both our problem. And we're going to decide then whether we're going to uh, work for as long as it takes to release that problem. And speaking as someone who's worked with abused people for many, many years now, you know, it takes up to two years to reconnect a sense of touch with someone who's been abused. Two years, that's a long time. You know, if, you, if you're really good, you can do it in one, but it's very tentative. That's it, actually working on it all the time. Working on it all the time, once a week. And that's, that's before anything else can happen. Yes. I mean, yeah. Yes. So if you've got absolutely um, saturated senses because of an unfortunate incident of the past, you're going to have to, one, create a safe space that is absolutely vital, and two, give it time. Now that's going to pull up in you selfish or selfless. Am I going to want to serve myself? Yes I am and I can do that above the waist on my own or am I going to serve us? In which case it's going to take time. Time to release the pain of the past. But if you, your chakras, which we'll talk about how to work with them just now, which are main junction points within your body, superimposed on top of the spine. So the spine goes like, well, it goes a bit straight from that, I hope. Um, and it's actually connected to two very main channels, which are called the Ida and the Pandala. Actually, you can say it better than that too, but that's how I call it. And these two uh, channels, they link in the brain to two glands, and in the body, the outlet for these two receiving channels are the anus, the anus, and the sexual organ. Okay, so sexual outlet. Now, if these have been shocked as a result of some kind of abuse. This one links very much to misuse of power, where we have controlled or been controlled, manipulated or been manipulated, very often sexually, but not always. Um, this one links very much to uh, mother, father, mum and dad, and uh, predis predisposition really. This, this links usually much more to the environment that's around our childhood. This links to the people that were in our childhood. Now these reflect out onto the old, uh, they reflect out onto the aura. Now the aura has four main uh, bands, but space within the bands as well. So you've got the interface between the spiritual and the intellectual, the intellectual and the emotional, the emotional and the physical, okay? So what happens is if we've had an experience, we then reflect that out to these old computer programs and say, what do we know about this? 
and the computer program is played back into the body, and the body will then react. Now this is completely within our own control, if you like. Have you ever had a time when you've been with someone or you've met someone and you suddenly got terribly hot, terribly cold, you started to tingle, you thought, my God, I'm going into shock. What the hell's going on? Nothing's happened. Have you ever had an experience like that? Well, that is literally these channels trying to strengthen themselves and collect the information from a physical or an emotional or an intellectual or a spiritual level and get into harmony rather than to have a competition between the two. Okay? Now, we have to allow time for that to happen because that is literally a spiritual release taking place. It is the abstract releasing. Now, if we don't allow that release to happen, <coughs> then these channels get bought, they, they, get, they, get, um, they can't expand and contract like they should. And we'll probably get very constipated, which is inability to let go of the past. Or we may get frigid and impotent, whatever sex we are. And to allow the expansion and contraction to open and close again, there's this flexibility must <coughs> be practiced. Okay? And if it's us, well, we have to work very hard at practicing it. If it's our partner, then we have to be very, very patient and very consistent and loving over an extended period of time. And it may or may not work. If it's a case that our parents have a whole load of unfulfilled sexual garbage in their emotional field, and we are their offspring, yeah. do we then genetically inherit all their sexual backlog of unresolved? Absolutely. And that will be that will be for us to clear. So there's dad, okay, and there's mum. And we will automatically inherit their conditioning. As well as that, we will have the environmental influences that we've experienced on the earth from the earth. <laughs> And that's why it is so important to work at a meditational level and an intellectual level prior to going into an emotional and a physical, uh, let's see how well I've done, routine. <laughs> My God, I work. <laughs> Very important, because the inner us, we have picked those parents, remember, to get past the obstacles. So we've got to honour our parents as well as ourselves. Because how can we honour ourselves if we dishonour our parents? We can't, can we? Because of our own common backlog of sexual former lives. Absolutely. All the times we've been persecuted and sacrificed. But if you work, if you offer it out in meditation, it's not a problem. Okay? And that's why you can't only work at sex at a physical level. You can't only work at sex at an emotional level. Because you're just going to attract a compounding of unfinished business. 
So it must also be at a spiritual level and at an intellectual level. Now, if we work at all four levels at once, you want to take long to have a really good time. <laughs> we can be raped at any level, not just a physical level. We can be raped at a spiritual level by too many people wanting too much. We can be raped at an intellectual level by other people's idea of our behavior. We can be raped at an emotional level by not being allowed to feel our feelings. And if we don't solve them at that level, we will attract a physical enactment. Mm -hmm. So if we handle it at, an, at a meditational level, at a spiritual level, it doesn't need to come any further. Mm -hmm. But if we can't handle it at that level, it will come on down through the levels mm -hmm. until eventually the compound backlog will be so big we'll attract a physical mm -hmm. enactment. Yeah. So if, you, if you're working with people who have been abused, you'll do it the other way around. You'll start at the physical level by honouring them physically and not touching them and not going in and saying, oh, you poor little thing, you want to be hurt. Because that's actually to make you feel better. It's nothing to do with the person you're working with. Uh, you'll then go into... Uh, an emotional, create an emotional space that is safe through time, then you'll intellectually go through it and spiritually defuse it until they're functional again, patched up and functional, which is the best you can do. Mm -hmm. So it's very important that all levels are served. Sex is for pro procreation only. Sex is shameful. Don't interfere with anything. There is a right way to make love. Sex is only a genital affair. Intercourse is the only purpose of sex. Arousal follows a set pattern. Pleasure depends on your partner. I'm going to say this. Organism equates ejaculation. High ideals mean celibacy. They are all very common sexual myths. And I'm sure you can find loads to add to that list. So that is an exercise for you. I actually did this exercise with some people who were in healthcare. And to my absolute amazement, they landed up with 50 sexual myths. And I've asked them to copy the list and send it to me. But it hasn't arrived yet. So you'll have to make your own up. Okay, but these are all absolute and complete myths that are inherited and we take on as fact. And we'll talk about how to override them in a minute. But meanwhile, if we could do a meditation, that would be very all right. I wonder why he's grinning. <laughs> <laughs> And this is about attitude, because to release myths, we have to very often change our attitude from the past. This is a meditation that is based on the work of uh, Umran Michael Ivanhoff, who is a very well-known mystic.
initiates of every age have always worked with the energy of love. To begin with, they would abstain from all physical relations until they had learned to adopt the right attitude to one another and had succeeded in looking at each other as a part of the heaven and the earth fused together at the level of the divine. The sexual force enabled them to look on one another as a particle of the Godhead. She, a particle of the Divine Mother, he of the Heavenly Father. Only then did they express their love in physical union and experience bliss. At this time, they would spend whole days in making love without fatigue and without any misunderstanding, jealousy or disappointment. The joy that they experienced was communion at every level. All the physiological and psychological processes became so divine that light radiated from them. The initiates understood that when they experienced love at such a subtle level, the joy they experienced was changeless. As long as humans remain at the level of instincts, they will never know, know lasting love. They will never live in beauty. For the moment, love between men and women have resembled butchery. They throw themselves upon each other with no preparation. Therefore, there is nothing ascetic or poetic. They are hungry, so they eat until they are bloated and satiated. And when their appetites revive, they eat again. Too many people make love like savages with no beauty, poetry, or harmony, only an interest in gorging themselves. To surround lovemaking with color and music and beauty, to try to show the partner a little consideration is very, very important. Philosophy is divided into three main branches. Ethics, logic, and aesthetics. 
ethics include everything that concerns religion and morals, everything that touches on the sentiments and the heart. Logic is the study of science, intelligence, and reason. Aesthetics concerns the domain of the will. For creation in the field of painting, architecture, sculpture, or poetry, all come under the heading of art. Art is a materialization on the external physical plane of thoughts and feelings. Therefore, art is a function of the will. If you decide to build a safe space, a home, the first thing to do is to collect the materials you need. Concrete, iron, stone, brick, planks, the rough, heavy elements which claim no beauty in their own right. The second phase consists of laying the foundations, raising the walls, putting on the roof. Only when this is done can you think about the aesthetic dimension and start painting, laying carpets, hanging curtains, and beautify the whole area. Look how nature goes about her work. First of all, concerned to create. Creation in profusion. Neither the first animals nor the first people were beautiful. And yet now, evolution has allowed the same pattern to be beautiful, perfectly formed, and beautifully proportioned, just as a baby who begins life as a blob of gelatine is created as a living being, a wonder to behold. If we are truly capable of loving. We need to look at the true nature of our love and the way we express it. What do I want? What am I looking for? Am I to content myself with instinct and not finding peace? Am I to be continually tossed between joy and sorrow? Am I to surrender the past to the great beings of light and the divas of the earth so that I can begin to see my brothers and my sisters from a higher standpoint.
to the brothers see women as a desire? Do the women see men as a passport to economic security? Can we see the beauty behind the role that each one is playing? The soul at work. Inspiration allowing each individual a passport to unity. A bridge from heaven to earth be honored, to be loved, to be respected, and to give joy. Allow yourselves the courtesy of surrendering the past. And connecting to the future. Experience the darkness inside your body and allow the light to come in behind it. And as you do so, accept these gifts so we change the rate of breathing and very gradually externalize the focus If anyone has any very strong impressions uh, during these meditations, please do either write them down or speak them out, whichever you prefer. There's nothing wrong with passion and lust. It's what you do with it that counts. If we are able to surrender my will to thy will to a good enough level, you know, there is nothing wrong with machinery. It's the way we use it. Actually, that's the problem. If we weren't supposed to have washing machines, washing machines wouldn't have been invented. But we could certainly use them wisely and use chemicals and 
well, not chemicals, not use chemicals, but use uh, stuff that will minimize the introduction of new pollution while we simultaneously handle old pollution. I don't know how we dare moan about pollution when there is pollution at every level. It isn't just physical. There is terrible <coughs> emotional pollution. There is terrible intellectual pollution. There is terrible psychic pollution. Physical pollution is actually the least of our worries at the moment because we're doing something about it. Some of the other pollution, I would suggest, is a lot more serious. So it's finding constructive discharges for these things rather than creating more. The grief sequence in relation to sex is huge, in case you haven't noticed all by yourself. You know? And there is a very, very definite time sequence to it. So the first thing is you deny it. Oh, no, this is not happening. I don't want it to. It's not convenient. It's not scheduled in my diary. Okay, well, we all go through that. Denial. I'll pretend it's not happening. Excuse me, what are we denying there? When we, when we are going to get into a new involvement that may or may not seem beautiful, may or may not seem lustful, we will go through a definite grief sequence which will take time to get through. Now, we can pretend it's not because we go through the honeymoon period. Oh, isn't it's wonderful. And we go through that fairly quickly. And then we say, I really don't want this to make a significant difference to my life because I, I actually am going to have to look at issues within me that I thought I'd handled yonks ago. Everyone agree with that? Then we get frightened because it doesn't seem like it's any longer under our control. Then we jump up and down and get angry about it. And if we're nice, we blame ourselves. And if we're not so nice, we blame our partner. Have you noticed that? So we either do a sort of, we do a control, these are all control issues. I'll either be a major martyr and let everyone know it because I'll do it loudly, or I'll be a dictator. Then we go through the uh, darkness sequence when we get a little bit depressed and it all seems a bit black and a bit fatalistic and doom watchish. Then we go through ungracious acceptance. Then we go through resentment of insignificance, <coughs> apparently. Now, when we get to that stage, we very often get into increased awareness. Now, every relationship, to a greater or lesser degree, follows that pattern. The skill is to be able to work through these areas horizontally and recognize where they are, but also to work through them vertically, recognizing they're leading us somewhere. And that's why it's so important to work on every level of our being. <laughs> We're learning self-love, aren't we? We're learning what our limitations are. We're not denying we've got them anymore. We're recognizing that down on earth, in body, we've got limitations. And that's okay. It's absolutely fine. So we're learning self-love, probably for the first time in our lives. Very, very important. 
how can we love another until we at least honor ourselves? <coughs> Recognizing that it could be quite important to love ourselves too. How can we drop guilt and not learn to love ourselves? We can't. We all feel guilty about relationships we've got in in the past that haven't worked. There's nothing we can do about them. If we keep going back into them, we are dragging ourselves back into the past at the expense of our future. Because we're so busy reenacting our past that we do just that in our future. So the only way to release the past is to change now. Now people who are intuitive, people who are spiritually aware, nearly always live in the future. Therefore, they attract bad experiences in the past because the physical can never be as good, the actual can never be as good as the abstract. So they tear themselves apart. So the idea then is to learn self-love within the present moment. Now, love for self must come prior to love for partner. Because otherwise, we lose our boundary. What we get is me, my partner, joint space where we tear each other apart while we fight for who reigns in that bit. What we're after is me, partner, going along harmoniously together. We're not getting into a boxing ring where we fight for our space because we feel that it's too close and we've been abused. And it's nearly always the control of joint space that start the punch-ups. Would you agree with that? People haven't, people haven't got partners. Right? Yeah. What does that mean? Does that mean that... It means you're trying to sort yourself out because in the inner, inside the individual, you have the male and the female. Doesn't matter what casing you're wearing outside. The being and the doing. <coughs> the active, the passive, the animate, and the animus. However you describe it, whatever you like. You're trying to come into relationship with that. Once you get that in balance within yourself, then you have a gift to offer another. So you're not, uh, you haven't evolved uh, as far as you could if you don't ever reach the point where you have an ideal relationship of that kind with another person of the opposite sex? You should have it with yourself prior to yeah, offering it to, an, to the opposite so sex. So the, the one with yourself isn't as good as the one that comes after? If you've got a good one with yourself, you should have a good one dramatised back to you, Do you have from to another. have a, a, a one with somebody else, or can you just stay where you are? No, because everything in the universe moves. Everything in evolution moves forward. <laughs> All of us have to go on retreat to clean up our own act. After that, it is possible to dramatize that again. Now, some people do come to Earth to work completely on retreat, uh, and they use the sexual energy in another way to generate light upon the Earth for active light workers to use while they're here. That is true. And we saw a tremendous that during the amount of that during the last war, when there were a lot of single women, uh, mainly women, because most of the men folk were at war, 
and they got into little prayer groups and nunneries and things, and they generated light for people on earth to call on as they need it, world leaders, etc. That still happens, because the management upstairs can't generate enough within specific areas, so there is a bank of light on earth that leaders can draw on as well. And that is what a lot of the single people who work on this within themselves, and when they have succeeded, then generate the power uh, to supplement what's coming in from upstairs. And those people will be celibate uh, for a lifetime, and that is their choice. But most people are able, having cleaned up their act, to then get into a fulfilling relationship once more to see how well they've done, because everything evolves, everything moves. Have you noticed that? As fast as you get one thing sussed out and cleaned up, you get a sucking great kick up the backside and you move into a whole new arena. You know, that is the way it works. So we learn to follow the clues and go more willingly, rather than wait for the kick. I remember one of my meditation teachers saying to me, I was moaning about how busy I was and filling my diary, you know, for a year to come. And he said, never be worried about filling it and never be worried about catching it. Because when the event comes in and the spontaneous, it's an absolute, wow, yes, that's the way to go, it'll be time. Until then, be ordered, be busy. Be okay? So that's a very important thing with self-love, to learn to enjoy breaking the routines, doing something different. Not irresponsibly, but responsibly. Are you into cultivating pleasure? Do you meditate? Meditation is vital for a good sex life. Absolutely vital. Have you given up goal orientation? Goal orientation is death to sex. Good. Right. If you, if you get into a partnership and your partner says, now listen, I want sex at least twice a week, and you feel that you've got to meet, meet those demands, well, it's bad news, isn't it, really? Really bad news, because you then have false expectations on both sides. Then, at an extreme state, if you then try and force that, the body will start to rebel, and you'll be unable to ejaculate, or you'll become impotent, or whatever it is. It's usually through control measures that that kind of impotence comes in. And, and that's a big problem with, with people who experience impotence, is it nearly always comes from this level, nearly always. And you have to work really, really hard to chase that back, to release it, to bring it forward in a new way. What other levels does it come from? What impotence? Yeah. Oh, it can come, nearly always control the control of others. Uh, so, you know, if you've been in a dysfunctional relationship, which most of us have, unfortunately, uh, where there have been control measures, which can either be overt or covert, you know, um, then if they have been very, very extreme and you haven't been able to bounce it off your aura, it has actually come into your experience, then nearly always there will be impotence at one level or another. And impotence isn't only a physical state, it's, it's again emotional and intellectual as well.
victim consciousness very often. And also the, the energetic fusing of the male and the female at birth will also give us problems. Uh, in, in, so if our father's been impotent or our mother's been impotent, we will inherit that impotency or the, pro the propensity for impotency, which may and may not activate. I'm talking about energetic fusion at conception, which actualizes at birth what we get from our dad and what we get from our mum, whether we like it or not. And you can't get onto the planet without <coughs> that. Um, allow ourselves to surrender our past. That's another big one. Allow surrender. It's difficult for us to trust, or we've got a real cob on with God, or whatever our connection is, whether it's light beings, angels, God, whatever you like to call it, it will be very difficult for us to surrender, because we'll be so cross, we won't want to give away control, any shape or form. Is it just a matter of time before we do get through that? And is it then that decide when we've got enough time, or is it us that actually triggers the mechanism that gives you? We trigger the mechanism. We claim our naturalness. Can't just wait. No, no. Again, you're you're out of sync with evolution. Everything in the whole world moves. Even mountains, they move very slowly, but they do move. So if we say, "Well, I'm not going to move anymore because I've been hurt," that's okay for a bit, but life will come along and move us. So it's better to kind of try and go willingly to reconnect to the inner sense and awe of life. That's you do it quicker, but if you don't go willing, you go anyway. Become as a child. Become as a child. Yeah. A child will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's true. You know, unless you are that childlike, that enthusiastic, regain your enthusiasm for life. We get so locked into the roles we play, we lose our enthusiasm. We lose our excitement. I'm respectable now. Got a label that says I'm respectable. This is the role I play. And we get so used to it that we get stuck within it. But there must be many other reasons that you, you refuse to go back into being a child, you put it. Oh, sure. Yeah, loads and loads and loads. And, and it can be other people. I was with one of my daughters the other day, she's 22 years old. And I said to her, Why does so and so always go quiet? And she said, Oh, because you're a mum. And that was the end of the conversation. And I said, what? She said, well, you're a mum. You're old, aren't you? <laughs> and that was a complete write-off. And I could have accepted that. And I said, well, I'm not wanted here, actually, because I'm <laughs> You know? But if you got stuck in the, in the write-off bit, which was just a flip remark, she didn't even realise she'd done it, probably, or that it could be potentially hurtful, which it wasn't then you can get stuck in it. And energetically, you can then get constipated. And that compound backlog begins to build and build and build and build until it's impossible to break through it because you're weighed down with labels. Okay, so you have to work at breaking down the, the brand, the brandings and the labels and the Myths, it's more myths. Absolutely, it's more myths. Yeah, absolutely. When you actually surrender and give a part up, do you have to allow yourself to go through a grieving process? 
Yes. It's a very fine line between grief and um, punishing our partner. And we have to be very aware that because we feel vulnerable, we don't have to make everybody suffer. Because we do, usually, don't we? I feel vulnerable. Get my dinner. <laughs> I feel vulnerable. We'll watch this on TV tonight. Or you can put me to bed. You can lock up. Because I feel vulnerable and you're going to be punished. That doesn't do much to enhance your, your lives. So we have to be really, really, really careful that we don't use our vulnerability and our pain to, uh, to really give other people a hard time. But if you don't act like you just say, are you working through it? If, you say if you're not mm -hmm. doing what you just said, if you're not saying, well, I'm feeling vulnerable, make my tea, if you can be upfront and say, look, I'm feeling vulnerable, just ignore me, get on with what you're doing. Yeah, but it's very difficult, isn't it? You know, um, yes. Yes, it I is mean, in theory, yes. Uh, but we, yeah, but we should take responsibility. When we're giving these things up, we take, when we're releasing myths, we take responsibility for our behavior. Why am I? Okay. Now, can we, can we stroke without sexual connotation? Can we touch and be touched without sexual connotation? Now try it. Stroke your neck. Your own, please. <laughs> now, try the rest after you live here. Okay, now stroke your arm. Does it feel the same or different? How does it feel different? Well, now feels smooth in your neck. Okay, now if you've got feet or legs out, give them a stroke and see if that feels different again. What does that feel like? Does that feel different? Okay, now which bit do you enjoy stroking or having stroked the most? Yeah. <laughs> do you tell your partner that? Yes. We know what we like. How can we expect someone else to know? So unless we honour ourselves and find out, how can we expect someone else to know? It's a bit difficult to be saying, you know, I like my neck stroke while you know, actually doing this and, you know, your eyes are That's negotiation, Terry. <laughs> you know what you like, you're just not getting it, mate. What was that? That's me. Okay, now how do we change some of these things? The first thing is to start to smile. It's a very old uh, bio um, discipline. Start to smile at yourself from inside. Can you all do that? Try smiling at your heart, your own heart, as if you were internalizing your whole vision. Smile at your heart. And then start to smile around your body. So pop by the liver and say, hello, liver, how are you doing? Morning, kiddies. 
way of working well today? And start to literally work round your body from the centre until you're smiling at the whole of the inside of your body. Everything is one big smile. Important technique, because you are literally gazing at yourself from the inside. It's an important, it's an old, and it's a tried and tested technique. What happens when you smile at someone, they smile back, don't they? It's infectious. What do we usually do? Walk around like Greenwatch, <coughs> Misery Incorporated. That's what we usually do. So if we want other people to smile at us and we want a successful relationship, let's at least smile at ourselves. Now if you start that every morning, your body will start to begin to relax and start to cooperate with you. Just the same way that if you smile at people, they nearly always smile back. But what we do we normally do? When you drive your car and you pull up against a car next door and they're looking at you, what are you looking at? <laughs> That's what we normally do, isn't it? What do you want? What's your problem? And immediately the hostility starts to bristle off both cars. Actually, if they look at you and you give them a great big grin, they usually sort of go, huh. <laughs> Drive on. <laughs> okay, so why don't we do that with ourselves? It's soul gazing. If you want another person to share sexuality with you at a sacred level, start to gaze at your own soul. Very, very important. The eyes are the mirrors of the soul. Learn to love what goes on behind your eyes. Then other people will too. Fact. Okay? Your body is a temple. Start to have a look and see if there are any forbidden rooms. That's important. It's a very, very old exercise. It's a very old technique. Start to look around your body and find out if there's any place you can't go. Can you pop in your colon <laughs> and say good morning? You're doing a grand job. Thank you very much. It's very important. Can you go into your liver? Can you go into your sexual organs? Or are they a forbidden area? It's an exercise we use a lot with abused people. And nearly always they can't go into a part of their body. It's a forbidden area. And until they can get right round their body, then they can't usually have a relationship with anyone else. Okay? So the bits, you know, nearly all of us were told that bits were dirty or bits were disgusting or whatever. More myths handed down. But a certain level of us may have believed some of the propaganda. And we may have to be able to go right round the body to make sure that there aren't any forbidden rooms. When we find a forbidden area, it's very important to have a contract with ourselves to release the pent-up energy. How do you release pent-up energy? Do you walk? Do you swim? 
Do you take responsibility for it yourself? Do you go do a wonderful drawing or create a new plan? Or do you write an essay or a poem or paint a picture? What do you do? How do you release pent-up energy? Do you take responsibility for it? Or do you go dish it out on someone else who lives in the same house? Most of us look for something wrong that our partners, our parents or our kids are doing and give them such a telling off just because we've contacted pent-up energy that we need to find an outlet for. That's not fair. We're not taking responsibility for ourselves. Okay, we have a punch bag permanently in our garage. But people, well, I used to use it, but I don't anymore because I've always filled it with sand. I nearly broke my hand. It's very, very important to have a creative outlet. What is okay to do and what isn't okay to do. And you must decide. It's nothing to do with anyone else. Deep breathing, very important. <coughs> If you begin to look at the inside of your body, you very often find that your breath gets shorter. And we have to practice breathing to our, to our belly, literally. If you start thinking about uh, sexual experiences that you may have had, you very often find your breath gets shorter and you start to pant breathe. Do you know what I mean by pant breathing? <laughs> and that means that there is stuff stuck. There are areas that you're not looking at. So you need to deepen your breathing and get it right down to your belly in a very, very relaxed way. If you're dying to old myths, old sexual experiences, you may find that your in-breath gets slightly shallower and your out-breath gets longer. That is perfectly normal. But you need time to regenerate. How do you regenerate? Do you go to the movies? Do you watch a stupid video? Do you become a couch potato? Do you phone friends? Do you go walking? What do you do to regenerate? Find out what you need to do to regenerate yourselves. Very important. Movement is vital. Movement, sounds you enjoy, touch you enjoy. So you need to make a contract with yourself as to what is acceptable. And keep to it. Review it each week. That's also a good technique that's used when, when uh, sexual relationships are broken down. You see both parties one week and you'll make a contract with them of what is okay and what isn't okay, <coughs> which is reviewed the next week. So it's okay to stretch my arm, but it's not okay to hug me yet. It's okay to give me a kiss on the cheek, it's not okay to kiss me on the mouth. And both parties agree to the contract with uh, an arbitrator present, facilitator present. And then the next week you review the contract. And if the contract has been kept on both sides, then you may take one more step forward. And you may not, you may hold it there for another week. Now, we can do that with ourselves. We can make a contract with ourselves on how to release pent-up energy, how to spot the signs of disturbance quicker, and what we're going to do about it when we do. 
Does that make sense? 